August 25th, 2023. Welcome to this hour of Flames Talk and welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. Yes, Vix is back. Aaron Vickers from NHL.com and more. My name is Pat Steinberg. Uh, We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are available, uh, sorry, we are coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Well, it's our last show before our final hiatus of 2023. Uh, We are off next week, and then after Labor Day, we are back for good, full throttle, full steam ahead for Flamestock for the 23-24 season. So, our final show before our final hiatus, our final hour before our last hiatus of the year. Thought we'd have a little bit of fun. First of all, welcome back. Hi, Vix. Happy Friday. Hey, buddy. How's it going? It's going well. Um, and, geez, we are only a few weeks away from training camp. So, I want to say we're about three weeks. Yeah, less than three weeks away or just cool. about three weeks away. In fact, I believe three weeks today is the first game that the Flames will play at the Young Stars Classic in Penticton, British Columbia. Um, I believe didn't, it's didn't realize today. it was so close, but your math checks out. Because I believe it's September 16th, and here we are, August 25th. So yeah, I believe three weeks today is when they play that first game. We'll have full coverage of the Young Stars Classic in Penticton. They'll play three games there. They come back, uh, and then they get going for main camp right after that. Preseason starts in, I want to say, like four and a half weeks. September 24th, I believe, is that first preseason game. So I thought we'd have a little bit of fun because we're still a little ways out. But it's our last show before we're back full throttle. So I'm, I'm calling these. Vix and I have each come up with our uh, still too early predictions for the season. Are still all too early predictions. Way for too the early. season. But that's what makes them fun because... They're way too early, so if they're wrong, we can say, yeah, well, we did them in August. Um, and uh, feel free to chime in. Text line open, 960-960, if you want to get some of your predictions in or chirp our predictions. Uh, I came up with five. How many did you come up with? Uh, six. Oh, wow. You always go one extra when you're dealing with Pat's. You want to come over-prepared, not under-prepared, because Pat brings it, so you've got to match that intensity that he has on the mic. Otherwise, what are you even doing here? I like it. Overprepared. Well, I was going to delete one. I don't know which one, but I was going to actually dial it back. I have a couple over-unders I'm going to toss at you at some point, too. Okay, sick. I like that. And and we have not seen any of these. And I just am I'm curious as to what uh, the text line thinks of these, what you think of mine, what I think of yours. All, uh, you want me to go first? Actually, you've got do you six. Wanna, do you want to alternate? Yeah, we should alternate. Okay, I'm going to let... You want me to start? No, I go I've got first. the. Okay, I'm, you go first because chances are we're going to have a couple that overlap. Yeah, and there's probably a few overlaps. I tried to pick ones that maybe wouldn't overlap. And these are not like super hot takes. These aren't like, well, 
if uh, Jacob Markstrom does not have a 935 save percentage next year, they will miss the playoffs by 47 points. Anyway, we're not going super hot take. I think these are fairly reasonable. At least the ones I put down, I think, guess are I'm, fairly reasonable. I guess I'm deleting that Hansik will be the number one center by season's end. That's a, that would be a hot take. That would be a hot take. That would be great for the organization. Uh, okay, here's my uh, here's my first one. Um, I uh, I have Mackenzie Weger down for a brand new career high in points. I think he uh, goes over fifty points this year. Uh, I just the way that Weger looked in the second half of the season, the way that he looked at the World Championship in Latvia and Finland, the way that. He has talked all off season. The um, just the overall fired up nature for the start of the season. How much more of a leadership role I think he's going to take on. I think Mackenzie Weger sets a new career high in points. Has the best season that he's had in the NHL to date. Uh, his uh, prior high is forty four in a season. I think he goes over. 50 points this coming year. Tons of power play time and more. That is my uh, that is my first prediction for the coming year. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. Just to come at right at the, out of the gate, because one, it would be really boring if I just went, yep, I agree, I can see that, so on and so forth. I do believe he'll get more power play time. I do believe he'll get more ice time in general. But even when he did settle in, from the all-star break on, so from February 1st onward, he had 16 points in 32 games. So he's at exactly 0.5 points per game, which made it very easy math for me to do on the fly here. So that gives him a pace when he got settled and comfortable at 41 points mm-hmm. over 82 games. And I think that's perfectly fine out of Mackenzie Weger. If he does go 50-plus, that's great for the Calgary Flames. But I see him more as that half-point-per-guy pace and I would suggest that somewhere around that 40 to 45 point mark would be where he lands if if I were making the prediction today. Here's now, why. Okay, I, go ahead. Here's, here's why, I th- because I think confidence-wise, him hitting the ground running like that is going to be really important. And I think even in the second half of the season, when he was jumping up into the play more and he was activating off the blue line more, still was a little snake-bitten. And so with a, a more wide-open brand of hockey this year, with a new head coach that I think is a massive fan, the amount of times that Ryan Huska would join us in our post-game show last year after games and hear him rave about Mackenzie Weger as the, the guy in charge of the blue line last year, I think Weger is going to get lots of green lights this year. I think he's going to get more power play time this year. And I just, I think that he's got a good offensive year in him. So I, I see what you're saying. Yep. I hear what you're saying. I just think more confidence, a little bit more of an offensively wide open brand of hockey, a little bit more puck luck. I, I think we could see a big year offensively from him. And that's a good point by you because his half point per game from the all-star game on was with Daryl Sutter as head coach. Now, granted, Ryan Huska was working the defense, but it was still Daryl Sutter's system. And everything we've heard from Ryan Huska and Craig Conroy, for that matter, is they want the players to have more fun out there, have play with a lot more freedom, have the green light more, as you kind of said. And so with your 50-point prediction, I'm curious how who you see as his partner. First of all, do you see Rasmus Anderson being his partner? Do you see Chris Tanev being his partner with Mackenzie Weger on the left side? And I, I just wonder that because... If it's Rasmus Anderson, like we we might think, that's how both, I am going. Both those guys are going to have the green light at all times, and both those guys, from an offensive perspective, to me, are somewhat similar. So I wonder if if he's paired with Tanev, I see him having the green, taking advantage of the green light more 
if he's paired with Rasmus Anderson, I see a sort of a 50-50, okay, it's this this guy's turn to go, now it's my turn to go, now it's Rasmus's turn to go, now it's my my turn to go again. So that's what I would say to that, but it's an excellent point that this should be a more, the structure is not going to be abandoned, but it should be a more freewheeling system to get involved in the offense. Uh, okay. What's, uh, what's your, what's uh, your, um, what's your first prediction? Now I don't have these in any particular order. That's so fine. I'm gonna, I don't really either. I'm going to go with, I'm going to see if you bring up a different one instead. So I'm going to go with this. Sharon Govich is going to hit 25 goals. I like that. And here's why. His first season in the NHL, he had 16 goals in 54 games as a rookie. That's a 24 goal pace over 82 games. Mm-hmm. So he's already flirting with it as a rookie. Year two, he had 24 goals in 76 games. So over 82, that's 26. So he eclipsed 26 in his sophomore season. His third season last year is where he fell off. He only scored at a 14-goal pace last year. But I can see him slotting in at least to start, and it's going to be up to him to capitalize on the opportunity, but I can see him slotting on the top line to start the season with Jonathan Huberto on the left and Elias Lindholm down the middle. And that is a great spot for him to regain his form and flirt with that 25 goal pace. Mm-hmm. Now, again, to hit 25 in this prediction, in this scenario, chances are he's going to need to play north of 80 games. Like you're going to need a full season schedule yep. to hit that mark. And you're going to need to establish yourself as a top six player for the Calgary Flames, whether that's on left wing, right wing, wherever, wherever he happens to slot. He can, he can play all three positions, but he needs to stay healthy and ensure that he keeps his role for me to get him to 25. I uh, I don't mind that at all because I have him very similarly on that same. That's how I would slot the lines with Sharon Govich on his off wing on a line with Lindholm and Huberto. Furthermore, uh, I see him on his off wing in a great shooting spot um, on the power play, whether it's power play one or power play two. I think Sharon Govich and his shot on his off wing. So he's a left shot. So now he's working the right half wall on the power play. Uh, I think that, that gives them some great one-timer opportunities. And that to me with his shot is a really tantalizing thing. And, and here's the other thing um, from last year where Sharon Govich had a down year offensively. He played a total of six minutes and 41 seconds on the power play over 75 games. He total six minutes in 75 games. Wow. Okay. He averaged five seconds a night <laughs> on the power play. He did not see power play time virtually at all last year. That is a line change as the power play is expiring. Is yeah, what exactly. That That's like, is. okay, get out there next, next shift after the power play. So I think when we spoke to Craig Conroy, when you were hung over to all hell at Bridgestone Arena. I don't even know what you're talking that about. That night, that uh, day in Nashville, the day of the Toffoli trade. When we spoke to Craig Conroy, the day that uh, Toffoli got dealt to New Jersey and the Flames acquired Sharon Govich, one of the things that Conroy was adamant about was giving him more of an opportunity and putting him in a better situation to unlock the offensive tools that they see in him. So I, I'm fully on board with a bounce-back offensive year for Sharon Govich. Do we need to keep score or anything, like a, a column with Pat? With Aaron and then a check marker and X to where we think. Like, do we need to log no, this so that we come back? So early. it's way too when early. We, when we're sitting here in early October doing our predictions for the season, those okay. are the ones that we can log. Okay, sounds good. Um, I've got. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll go away from offensive production for a second because I got a couple more on those. Here's a here's a fun one. I think. Um, I think Chris Tanev is Calgary's biggest trade deadline piece. I think Chris Tanev is a player that is dealt around the trade deadline. 
and I think gets them a huge return. Okay, so this is like half of one of my predictions, so I'm going to just say it, and we can kind of roll with it a little bit. I have Backlund and Tanev being traded at the trade deadline. Okay. And to your prediction, your way too early prediction of Tanev fetching the biggest return for the Calgary Flames at the trade deadline, I'm disagreeing. I'm going to say it's Michael Backlund. And that's why I wanted to unveil mine. That's why you come up with a couple extra ones because they're going to get X'd along the way. I think Michael Backlund is your biggest trade chip at that point. And I think he fetches you more than Chris Tanev. Part of that is we're going to need to see through six-ish months that Chris Tanev is healthy and 100%. But I also think Michael Backlund will be more viewed as the final piece to the puzzle for a team that needs that center depth to make a legit cup run. I can see the situation here where we're splitting hairs over who gets more because I can see a team also going, ooh, we're one shutdown defenseman away from really being able to do some damage in the postseason. But I'm going to lend it a little bit to Michael Backlund because of that. But also, I'm curious to see what kind of momentum Michael Backlund carries over from the end of last season. He was Calgary's second leading scorer, again, from that all-star break onward with 27 points in 32 games, also led the Flames at plus 13. So if he's able to take that kind of scoring pace and momentum, and again, whether you can actually take something from last season and bring it forward when you've had four or five months away, I don't know. But if Michael Backlund can produce at that clip while still giving you that shutdown sort of two-way ability, I think he'll be more coveted at the deadline. So the reason why I don't, because I, for whatever reason, I have this feeling that Backlund doesn't get dealt. Okay, and that's very valid too. And of the two... And that's why I okay. have Tanev as, as there. Because I think what you just said is very fair and probably accurate. Okay. But for whatever reason, I feel like Backlund doesn't get dealt, and Tanev does. I'm just going to log that on the sheet. Fair, accurate. Huh. Um, and I August also think, 25th. I also think even if Tanev has had a couple of stints on the shelf and he you know, isn't going to play 82 games, I still think a team that is looking to win a Stanley Cup says, holy, that is one of the top shutdown defensemen in the NHL. Even if he has to miss a game or two or two or three games on our playoff run, we think he helps us win a Stanley Cup. And so I, I think I think if if both Backland and Tanev are on the block, that they will both be sought after for very similar reasons, like you said. What's next for you? Dustin Wolf will be the backup by Christmas. See, I have one of Wolf too. I have Dustin Wolf starts more than ten games this year. Okay. Well, I've de- I definitely agree which, with you in which, that case. Which, which I also have as probably him being the backup at some point this year as well. So I'm on board with that for sure. Now, whether that's freeing up a space by moving Dan Vladar at some point, some point somebody offers you, you know, we get through October and we get through November and suddenly there's a team that's dissatisfied with their goaltending. And if you're the Calgary Flames and you have three guys you believe are NHL goalies, well, you're not dealing Dustin Wolf out of that trio. And chances are you're not moving Jacob Markstrom. So Dan Vladar is the likely guy. I'm not trying to run Dan Vladar out of, out of town here or anything. Don't get me wrong on that yeah, front. Yeah. I just see the Calgary Flames having three NHL goalies. And there's certainly going to be one, two, or three NHL teams that by December 1 aren't happy with the way their goaltending situation is and don't want to wait until March 1st, whenever the trade deadline is. I'm sure you've got the, 
got the date handy, but don't want to wait until late February, early March to address that concern because by then it could be already too late. So there'll be a team that covets Dan Vladar. The Calgary Flames get a return that they like, and that frees up a roster spot for Dustin Wolf. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the most likely way that this happens at some point because typically trading, like I, I, you don't see, for instance, guys like Connor Hellebuck traded in season very often. But a guy like Vladar, that feels a little bit less uh, less unlikely, which right. is horrible English. Um, that feels a little more likely. It's very passive English. Well, that's less unlikely. Just more likely, you dolt. Um, that's, passive feels... isn't the accurate way to, to describe what you just said, so yeah. you're 50-50 right now. Um, but like, you know, old Stuart Hall at State, he, told, he taught us to be, speak, do not speak passively, speak very directly. Sp- same for writing. Just it's, curious. It's, it's it's all the French that I've been learning. It's such a it's such a backwards language. Everything is there's no there's no possessives. Everything is anywho. Um, yeah, I I uh, I think that it's more likely that we see Vladar get dealt in season than a than a Markstrom or a Hellebuck or somebody of that big contracts. You're you'd be acquiring that guy to like be your guy. It just it doesn't have the last time I can remember like that caliber of goaltender being dealt in season was when St. Louis got Ryan Miller almost a decade ago, and it was a disaster. They gave up way too much in hindsight. He came in, was awful for them, and didn't come back. He was in Vancouver the next year, I believe. I can't think of a... I was like, is he going to go Patrick Waugh? No. I mean, that's way too long ago. But your point stands. Uh, Okay, my next one... Matt Coronado flirts with 20 goals and is on one of the team's two power play units all year long. I think Coronado with his shot, with Calgary's um, lack of right shot, right wingers, and specifically right shot, right wing scoring threats, I think Coronado has a ready-made spot for him to lose coming into training camp. Now, I don't think the Flames would tell that to him. I don't think the Flames would ever even suggest that because they probably look at it, and rightfully so, is you've got to come in and earn your spot. But I think the way I look at it, just reading tea leaves and taking a look at the depth chart, I think there is a spot for him to lose as opposed for him to win. And I think he's going to have to have a brutal training camp for him not to be on this team's opening day roster. I think Coronado is smart enough and has a good enough shot that if he is protected at five on five as an NHL rookie, he can, similar to different positions, but similar to Sean Monaghan in his rookie year, protected at five on five, not playing a ton, lots of power play time, and a great finisher. I think Coronado flirts with 20 goals this year. And that, that might be the quote-unquote, hottest of my predictions. I don't even think that's that hot a take. I really don't. So I had that on my list, but I removed it from my list as well. I Why did you remove it? I just kind of, well, to be perfectly honest, and this kind of, I, you can, you're going to poke a million holes in this argument. As a rookie in the USHL with the Chicago Steel, he had 18 goals. Freshman year at Harvard, he had 18 goals. That, would that not be flirting with 20? Yes, but now we're talking about the NHL, what, but you've what, also what, got the games played advantage of what the NHL. Counts, what counts as flirting with 20, by the way? I think within, within two, 18, I would say 17, 18 to 22. See, I would, I, would, I would even expand that 17 to 23, like okay. three either way. Okay. 
because all you are from that perspective in game 82 of the season, all you are is a hat trick away from, from getting there. If you're sitting at 17, um, I, and also I thought, I, I thought we'd both have Coronado ones. So I kind of steer clear. So when I mentioned I had some over unders over under Coronado on 35 points. If I have him flirting with 20, um, I believe the last recent player as a rookie to, to have a productive season was Matthew Kachuk. And he was in the 50s, And he was he? in, he had 48. 48, okay. And you had over 35? Yeah. And so if you're projecting 20 goals, you got to think there's got to be 15 assists there. Maybe? I see. Or is, that, is this a harder argument for you than the 20 goals? This is harder. Okay. Where do you project Coronado playing? I know we've talked some lineup before. Do you have him on the second line or the third line? I have him on the... 2B line. And what I mean by that is because I think Backlund, Kadri, and Lindholm will be centering three lines again. Right. I have him on Kadri's line right now in kind of an offensive role. With Dubé on with du- the left? With Dubé as it is right now, yeah. Okay. And where I had him slotted in my mind is Coleman on left, Backlund in the middle, Coronado on right. But I do understand and kind of agree with your logic of if you went Mangiapane, Backlund, Coleman, you can use that shutdown matchup line to free up the Kadri coronado line. I'm going to say... Under <sighs> over 20 no, goals, but I'm, under 35 points. No, hey? no I'm going to say over 35. I'm going to say like 20, I'll say 20 goals and mm, yeah, I'm, he's going to 20 and 16. How's that? Just over 35. Okay. He profiles so much as a rookie. I know different positions, but he profiles so much like Sean Monahan for me. He really does. I know Monahan was a center, and that's more difficult. Um, I think Coronado's got a better shot than Monahan does, and a better outside shot than Monahan does or did. Because um, you take a look at where Monahan scored almost all of his home goals plate. right in that home plate, and area. it was that wrist shot, that weird lacrosse style release, that and, he, he and and very very good at yes. elevating that puck from close in. Like he was an expert at it. But I, th- I think Coronado's got better outside touch than Monaghan does, or outside, uh, more of an elite outside shot. And so I think he's more of a threat from the half wall and from the circles than maybe Monaghan was. Not to say Monaghan was a poor shot. I just think Coronado's got a better uh, finishing outside finishing ability. So, yeah, I'll go just over 35. All right. That's, uh, that's interesting. So over and over for Patrick Steinberg. You yeah. heard it here first on the way too early Flames predictions. A few texts at 960-960. Um, this says, from Wedley, Huberdeau will get 75 to 84 points. Flames will make the playoffs. Markstrom bounces back. Um, Weger and Anderson, 50 points each. I'm taking out the part in the middle. Uh, you do not get the pleasure of me reading that, Mr. Wedley. I'm going to have to go back and read that in the break. So I did have on my list, Huberto will be a point-per-game player. And I went point-per-game because that gives me a little bit of wiggle room in case hurt. he gets hurt. Yeah. And I see it. So, yes, he had 55 points in 79 games for the Flames last year, his first year in Calgary. But if you scrap his last season, and if you're going to do that, scrap his 115-point season. These are the two outliers for his career since he's been a full-time NHLer at the level that he's been at. He was a point-per-game player, over a point-per-game player, in his previous five seasons in Florida. And I think he gets back to that. Now, my question for you, Patrick, over under 80 points for Jonathan Huberto. Um, You know what? Just because I, I, I want him to bounce back and I want him to um, run over some of the critics, I'll go over. Yeah. 
I, I really I'm, like I really like the player. I'm taking the over on that as I well. Really I really like the player. I think he gets back. So the the prediction is point per game. And if he's if he plays if he 82, plays 80, then, 82 he's then he's yeah. So he's gonna get there. So I I concur. This from Jeff. I predict Elias Lindholm resigns with Calgary early in the season. I get the feeling he may just be waiting to see if management changes. If the management changes over the season, translate to a more desirable atmosphere in day-to-day activities at the rink. That comes from Jeff. Um, this says it better be over 100 points or it's a bust at $10.5 million for Huberto. Let's just take some baby steps here to back to him being a point-per-game player. Um, and, uh, yeah, there you go. A few uh, responses to some still all-too-early predictions as um, – we get set for training camp in a few weeks. This is our final episode of Flames Talk before a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, we're back after Labor Day, back full throttle after Labor Day. No breaks from there until All-Star. He's Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. This hour of Flames Talk's coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, Wet Basement. They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit DLB basementsystems.com Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Alright, this hour on a Friday rolls on. Aaron Vickers, my name is Pat Steinberg. It's Friday. And that means it's Eric Francis Friday. Eric joins us now from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca as uh, we dive in on some of the uh, topics that have been kicked around this week. Happy Friday, Francis. What's going on? I'm good, boys. How are you? Uh, I've been entertained by your predictions. I have a prediction for you. Yes, please. No one will remember your predictions uh, in a month from now. Ouch. And and that's not a shot at you guys personally. It feels like it. It's just that, <laughs> as you guys preface the whole conversation with, it's way too early for stuff like this. Now, did any of way the did any of our way too early predictions make you say, "Huh, that's a good one"? Well, yeah, no, it's good. I think it was good radio because, like, okay, here's a here's a couple of things that my takeaways. One is I'm quite surprised, Patrick, that like we often once a guy leaves town, you kind of diminish what he did here. But like, I, I like that you're saying that in a lot of ways you think Coronado is gonna could be trending just like Monahan in his rookie year. But one thing you say like you're you know Coronado played one game here, and you're talking about how his shot is better than Monahan's like. And, and again, I'm not taking poking holes at you because I, I know Coronado is known for his finish, his shot. Yeah. But like Monahan was so money from that high slot for so many years. Yeah, the last couple of years, he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. He'd lost his confidence. He was injured. It, it was just a mess. Like we all saw many times where he'd, he'd shoot it from that high slot area where he, he'd finish. Absolutely. Regularly. Like, you know, he was a regular 30 goals threat every year and we know why it had a lot to do with you know one of the best playmakers in in our era Johnny Gaudreau setting him up but I just think it's funny that you you know I just would I just be hesitant to Monaghan's one of the best finishers this organization organization's had in 25 years and uh, to compare Coronado's finish with his early on I just that one just made me cringe that's all again 
We're just I did. Fun. I did say I think he profiles like Monahan as a rookie. I don't know if mm-hmm. I the the way Monahan's two way game evolved and the way that his kind of role evolved. Where I really appreciate the way Sean uh, kind of leaned into. This is where I score my goals, so this is where I'm going to be. And and I don't think he did that as much as a rookie. I think it took a little bit Fair. of time for him to to really hone in on, you know what, this greasy area, uh, as as Vic said, the home plate area, high slot, slot area, this is where, and, and banging in rebounds and banging in loose pucks, That I, I think he grew into that. So I, I don't know if I ever see Coronado being a 35-goal guy like Monaghan flirted with a couple of years. I just think as a rookie – he profiles kind of similar. And I'll add, Francis, I just want to jump in real quick. Sean Monaghan lost a lot of zip on his shot in his final three seasons in Calgary. And an understandable double hip surgery is going to do that to the guy in the hand and the wrist and all that. I don't know if I would, I would necessarily put Cornell's shot on par, but his finishing ability, whether it would have been with the Chicago Steel in the USHL, whether it would have been at Harvard, that's that's one of his, Matt Coronado's primary calling cards. So I, I kind of understand where Pat was going with it. For sure. I'm just nitpicking because I just like kind of just. I love it. Yep. I think we're all guilty of when guys leave, for the most part, you're like, ah, you know, they weren't that good, or you diminish some of the things that they accomplished. But, you know, I think that history will even show that Monahan probably will never get the credit he deserved for helping turn around the franchise. And we talked about all this when he left town and all this. And, um, you know, I. He was the the first guy. That gave Flames fans hope again, right? Oh. Because because uh, Jerome had been traded in that nightmare uh, that nightmare forty eight game season, and then Bomeister had gotten traded, and then Kiprasov had his swan song, and and so that was kind of the the first time that Flames fans had hope again was this kid that they drafted sixth overall, who was very serious but very professional, and uh, he he. Right from the get-go, he's like, I'm playing in the NHL next year. And he made the NHL as a rookie, and he scored 20. And it is a really interesting comparison, too, because you talk about hope. Like, what what do you guys hear from 90% of the people you talk to in this city over the course of the summer? Like, to me, it's just the excitement over spots being given to rookies. Not given. Uh, rookies having a chance to earn a spot on this roster as opposed to just getting it filled by Trevor Lewis and and other fourth liners like old veterans Poor Trevor. people are people are very excited very excited about the coronados the, the pelches uh the hansex yep. and 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 you know and 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 that's it goes back to you know it had been a lot of years since people in this city got really excited about a young stud coming in and making an impact early on and so that you know that that is an appropriate you know uh comparison to had Monaghan and and Coronado because like I said we're in a new era here right now and I know the organization's not really to quite say that or, or or talk about that but it sure feels that way to fans and if this is indeed the new era that fans are hoping for and, and pushing for then it's the Pelches, the Coronados, the Hanzeks who yeah. are going to lead that chart so interesting comparison um, Okay, speaking of a new era Francis with us, Steinberg Vickers, Francis Friday's here on Flamestock. Um, who's going to be, we know their name and a captain, who's going to be the captain of the Calgary Flames? If, if, you, if you had your druthers and Eric Francis 
was given the like you are the pope you are anointing a king and you have this this uh fabric sea that you can put on a uh put on a shoulder of the calgary flames francis which way are you leaning for the 20th captain in flames history no it's rasmus anderson no quite i understand there are legitimate you know candidates surrounding him but i think that they they don't check all the boxes like Rasmus Anderson does. Now, I, I want to qualify with that is if Michael Backlund has a change of heart and decides he wants to sign for another two or three years, that's a no-brainer then. He, he still right. trumps right. Rasmus Anderson. But that, but I'm not counting on that. Um, I'm not expecting that, nor do I think that Backlund should do that. I, I think Backlund is ready to move on, and I, I think all the best to him. Um, and, and, so, and I think it's best for the organization, too, um, for him to move on. So, anyway... Here we are. I think it's Rasmus Anderson ushering in a new era as a captain. The way he stepped forward, I, I know. I understand he just did an interview on Thirty Two Thoughts. Um, he's been very candid uh, with us all last year. Mm-hmm. I, I think I heard Vixie early in the week saying, like, and it's so true. I mean, I've said it over and over again. Like, it was so noticeable. It was almost like he said to the PR director Peter Hannon, "Look." I want to go out and talk to the media tonight. Mm-hmm. Like we we laid another egg against Chicago in a crucial game. Um, I want to be the one to, to to go out and face the music. And he really took on that huge leadership role. Backlund was there all year long and has done that for years, no question about it. And so again, he's my my one A or my my number one choice, but he's not coming back. So I would uh, I would give it to Rasmus Anderson. And I know there's a lot of talk about Uyghur lately, and I get that, um, but I, I don't think he checks. Nearly as many boxes as Rasmus. What are the uh, what are the boxes that uh, you think are kind of non negotiable or, or really important that that kind of lean when you're thinking about evaluating this? What are the boxes that need to be checked? Well, I think familiarity is is the biggest one, right? And that's why you know Michael Backlund um, is you know features so prominently in this discussion. Yep. Um, he knows the organization inside out. He can re- He knows the the mood of the fans. He knows the uh, the mood of ownership. The what's going on in the front office. What's going on in the coaching office. But but forget about that guy for now. Like just forget about Backlund. And, and with all due respect for now. But you know, Rasmus Anderson has been here for a long time. He's come up through the ranks. He knows what the minor, what the farm team and its system looks like. He knows what this city looks like. He knows what this organization looks like. He understands the fan base. Um, you know what one third of the of the roster is Swedes, so there's a representation there that's kind of important to me um i I just think that there's a lot of reasons so so that would be the number one box familiarity understanding organization I think that's where he has the biggest uh advantage over Mackenzie Weger, which is Weger's only been here one year wasn't even a good year it was a it was a tough year for him and for everyone around him. Um, Anderson's been there, done that, seen it all times, what, six, seven years now in the organization, eight years. I don't know what it is total. Um, yeah, I, I, he, you need someone who can read the room, who can understand when things are going sideways. He's got all that in spades. And, you know, I know last year when Huberto arrived, I think a lot of people thought that he was captain material and I did too. Um, but they need to name a captain right now, and Huberto's not ready to do that right now, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He's not, he hasn't earned the, the opportunity to be that guy quite yet. On the familiarity front that you mentioned, this kind of floors me to a degree, but it's also just the nature of the business. After Michael Backlund, Rasmus Anderson is the longest tender, tenured, tenured member of the Calgary Flames. Does that, I don't want to say shock you, because it's kind of the nature of the business, but does that surprise you at all? 
No, not really. Just because you know, with Gaudreau leaving and Kachuk leaving, like I knew he was like one of the standing. Yeah, Monahan. You know, there has been a significant changing in the guard. Obviously, last year, uh, I think there'll be a significant changing in the guard this year as well. Um, which is just the number one question this season. Which is just when. You know, when are those when are those three guys getting traded? You know, that to me is the story of the season uh, right now. Um, you know, they are going to get traded. I, I still don't believe Lindholm will sign here, but you know, I, I, I don't, I don't feel as strongly about that as I did about Gaudreau and Chuck, but I just, I wouldn't understand why he would sign here, to be honest. I, I just given that he's showing a penchant for wanting to test the waters elsewhere. And I, I think it's a lifestyle thing more than anything else. So anyway, I, I just think that, uh, Anderson's been here so long. It's one thing, you know, if you're a captain, you can stand up and scream and shout all you want and, and, and say all these things, but if you don't understand the marketplace, you don't understand the room, and you don't understand the organization, it's. It, I think a lot of people who have been in the organization for a while can look at you with their head cocked going, what the hell is he talking about? Like, I know this city better than him. I know this market better than him. I know this fan base, this, right. coach, this system better than him. So why is he standing there screaming at me or other people? Uh, and I'm not saying guys scream anymore. It's, that's kind of not the way it works as much anymore, but just I think familiarity, understanding, and and and, and again, Anderson's got it because, like you said, he's the longest tenured outside of Backlund. Does uh, the fact that I mean it's not that far off, but we know that Uyghur's here for eight, and Rasmus has three before he's unrestricted free, uh, an unrestricted free agent for the first time. Uh, does that does that enter for I? Because for me, I think ever since. Ever since Green Garbage Bag Day, because the two guys that were at the front of the list for me all of last year, both were the most non-committal to being here in the future, yeah. Lindholm and Backlund. So they, un- unless, to your point, unless by training camp they're signed to long-term deals, I don't, I'm with you 100%. I don't think that they can be considered as captain right now. Um, and so since that... Since that point, it's been Rasmus for me, guys. And the only guy that is really, like, I, I think Coleman would be great. I think Huberdeau would be interesting. Um, biggest contract in franchise history. But it's, it's Rasmus for me. And the next guy has been Uyghur, and it's been this offseason, Vic, that is really, he's been, he spoke passionately. He also was a guy that came out and did a lot of tough media last year. So Uyghur has been the guy that has kind of entered into that same conversation for me. Um, and part of that is because he's made an eight-year commitment or now a nine-year commitment with one year in the books to, to this organization. Yeah, even though when he signed the extension, and it, it's going to kick in this year, even around December, January, I wasn't necessarily sitting here going, ooh, maybe Mackenzie Weger is going to creep into this conversation. For me, it was more the March and April standing up. Um, I got a lot of one-on-one time with him at the World Championship. If you didn't know, I went to the World Championship this year, Pat, just, just in case you, you Dylan, missed I didn't, it. Dylan, I didn't say it. That was Vickers. And uh, just having the chance to talk to him again after the summer and the Calgary Flames resetting, a lot of the... He speaks candidly. He speaks openly, but he also speaks fair. And again, talking to me or talking to you or talking to Eric is 10% of the job, the media obligation. There goes just, There's so many more boxes to check, as, as Franchise mentioned, in being a captain. But for me... Um, he really entered the conversation with how he dealt with the media, how he dealt with tough situations, so on and so forth. Um, I do think he's a candidate, 
but I don't disagree with the fact at all that maybe yeah. Rasmus Anderson is at the head of the class, and then Michael Backlund's also the wild card with the contracts. Yeah, guys. and Francis, for me, it was just I was just playing devil's advocate because it's tough. I Rasmus is is such a great choice. It's it's more you know in a lot of ways it's just devil's advocate when I go Uyghur because I think he'd be great as well. But it's you know when you talk oh, about yeah. the familiarity and all that, it's it's true. Like there's a lot going for Rasmus Anderson in the conversation. Oh, I, I, I could see a letter for Uyghur for sure. Like I'm not, and I know none of us are dismissing the other guys just because we have our favorite or the guy we think favorite's not even the term. I got no skin in the game. I could care less who they name, but, but I, I, you know, I think that a real strong argument could be made for Coleman, but I, yep. but I also, but I also think, because I do think that he is as good with the media as anyone I've ever dealt with in the NHL. Like, I do think that highly of him. I think he's that intelligent. He's very cerebral. Mm -hmm. He can read the room. The guy's been there, done that. He's got rings. Uh, he chose to be here. I love that he came back for the stampede this year, put on the old Canadian tuxedo and, and whooped it up with his boys. Like, there's a lot about him that I think, you know, checks the boxes you're looking for. But I also do think... I kind of sometimes think it says a lot about your team. If, you, if your captain is like a third-line mucker, and, I, and I'm, he's better than that. I don't mean that. I think he's a legit 20-goal scorer if given the role. Um, you know, but you know what I'm saying? I think it's got to be one of your better One of your players. better. Yeah, that's fair. I've, I've always believed that. Like, when you look around and you see teams where a guy, you're like, who? Who's their captain? And, 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 and none are coming to mind right now just because I haven't been in hockey mode for two months. But... There are a handful of well. There's been they, they've the done league. that in this organization before, and I don't want to. But I mean, like Steve Smith was a captain here. Todd he was Simpson a, was a I, captain. That's right, and those are the first two that would come to mind in this organization. You're like, what? And it really, to me, said a lot about how bad the organization or the, how bad the team was when those were your captains. And again, good guys. I'm not questioning their leadership, but if if that's kind of the best foot forward you're going to put for the fans, for the team, for the organization, I. So I do think that part of being a captain, it really should be, it's got to be a prominent player. And in that regard, Rasmus is a, a much more prominent player than Uyghur. Now, again, I know I heard you guys talking. Uyghur sort of trended better in the second half. Uyghur's had some great seasons in Florida. Uyghur was great at the World Championships. I don't know anyone who watched the World Championships hmm. or went to the World Championships. Hmm. But I, 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 uh, I do know that... You know, he had a really good one, and he's trending well. And I know a lot of – we all believe he's going to have a much better year this year, but I still don't think he's going to run the defense like Rasmus Anderson has and will continue to do so. And and to your point earlier, three years is more than enough. He's only here for three more years, and I'd be shocked if he stayed longer than three. But then again, you never know. Whoa, That's whoa, like, now, now we're – now, now Rasmus isn't prediction. either? Come on. Give us – give a, let us have something. This is the theme, guys. The we can't have anything nice. <laughs> it, no, I mean, like, three years is more than enough. And you know what? If he's a great captain and this organization can have really good success with him as the captain, maybe that's all the more reason for him to want to stay and extend his time here in Calgary. Who knows, right? I'm just, I don't want to get into that. I shouldn't <laughs> have said that. But I, I just, it, it, it's been a bit of a trend. I'm not sure if anybody's know, noticed. But when guys have a chance to leave, they tend to leave. <laughs> Can we get a social media card made up of nope, that? Quoting not, no, I, uh, I would not do that to my friend. That would be very mean. It would. Uh, so even so, just before we let you go, even some of the uh, there's been some buzz in, in different circles that maybe Elias Lindholm is 
leaning more towards or or it's more it feels more likely like he might sign there's been different insiders and and you know you just it seems like that's been out there from a number of different spots of you you're you're not necessarily buying in no like i guess i what i would say is like i, I i'm uh, i'm pleading ignorance on this one like i i've been out uh, i've been off for two months i have not made a phone call uh, I got to sit down real soon and just start finding out who, who went where on free agency day. Like I, I don't pay attention to it that much in the off season. So I really, if, if, if that's where the trend is, is going, I believe it when I see it. Um, same thing. I, I hear the odd thing from people who want to talk about the flames and they're like, Oh, I heard that someone said something about Nashville. Yeah. They, Hannaford's going to go to Nashville for so-and-so and so-and-so. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. You won't see me writing that, but when it happens or if it happens, then we can discuss it. But I don't, I'm not really big into the, uh, you know, the guessing game. I will be starting to make some phone calls in a couple of weeks here to start talking to agents and people to find out what's really going on. So right now, until I start talking to the real people involved, mm-hmm. I'm not buying into many rumors, but, uh, but Hey, of course I want what's good for this city and what's good for this city is this team to be an entertaining, successful hockey team. Of course, I think everyone in, Hockey is cheering for Craig Conroy. Uh, you know, Ryan Huska is a real popular guy who I think the world of. You know, I, I think it would be great for this city if this team uh, could remain or return to being competitive after a one-year hiatus from that. And uh, and, and and I think it's very possible. Um, but but that man that looms over them that those three trades that have to happen. Uh, well, two trades that have to happen and one that I I think will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when, when, and does it, does it hang over this team? Does it bother the team? Like, would you guys agree that's the number one issue, the number one storyline heading into this season? Yeah. And I think it will be a storyline all season too, until we get, you know, resolution as to what it's going to look like. Right. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean they, they have to pull the trigger and panic. Like I, I praise Conroy for not doing that Mm -hmm. so far. Um, I think we all do. I, I, I don't want to, speak for you guys but i i think if the deal's not there the deal's not there um but it does put added pressure on conroy with every day that goes by because yeah. it, it threatens to be a distraction um and it's uh i don't know it, the return on those trades uh, will dictate the path of this organization moving forward it's that simple it's that simple people say you know people always want to ask hey you think the players can make the playoffs this year i say my my first answer is Depends when they trade Lindholm and what they get back for him. Mm-hmm. I think it's that important to trade. I really do. Um, and it's not, it's not, you know, it, it's, it's kind of scary. I think for players fans that it sounds like the offers aren't that huge for a guy like that. But then again, I don't know how much they've shopped him if they still think there's a chance they could sign him. So I don't know. I will start working the phones in a couple of weeks and give you a far more educated guess. <laughs> We uh we will talk to you then. Uh, we're on hiatus until after Labor Day. We'll talk to you again on Fridays then. Maybe a new look for Francis Fridays as well. That's all I'll say. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Have a great rest of your August, my friend. Thanks for doing this. Cheers, boys. Good to talk to you. Enjoy your week off. You as well. That's Eric Francis, sportsnet, sportsnet.ca. That's Eric Francis Fridays. Eric joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. It is going to be a talking point all year until, I, I think until all of the decisions are made, 
either trade or signing or until it's going to push all the way to the deadline um, until we know what the fates are going to be. So it could not, it might have to wait until the deadline. It might all be figured out with extensions and trades before then, but until it is all figured out. And I think the latest possible time will be the trade deadline. I I think it's going to be a story all year. The fates of those guys, the two biggest storylines heading into camp for me are will Jonathan Huberto and Jacob Markstrom rebound? And what is the status of Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin? Should they come to camp with the Calgary Flames? And the latter one is going to be a storyline, as you mentioned, till the resolution. It amplifies up in December or January for me if the Calgary Flames are in a top two position in the Pacific Division because now you're playing that game of we might have a shot to do something significant in the playoffs, but we just saw Johnny Goudreau walk for free. Yep. He is Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. Cam Taylor, our producers this hour, and that'll wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. This has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors.